Welcome to Write Your Book in a Flash with Dan Janelle, the only podcast where you'll learn how successful people just like you have grown their businesses, expanded their influence, and made more money by writing a book. On each episode, you'll learn the inside secrets to help you create a book that can serve as a powerful marketing tool to skyrocket your business. I'm your host, Dan Janelle. I help thought leaders, business executives, and entrepreneurs write their books. To find out more, go to writeyourbookinaflash.com. Now let's welcome today's guest, Mark Hain. How are you, Mark? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. And you just have a new book out. Uh, Tell us about it. Yeah. So my new book is called Lights, Camera, Action, Business Operational Excellence Through the Lens of Live Theater. Wow. What a great title. What a great concept. So you're an actor. How did that book come about? Well, so I, I didn't start off as an actor, just so you know. I've been a hospitality and a business consultant for about 35 years. And in 2017, a coworker came into my office and she says, Mark, you act. And I said, well, sometimes I act goofy, sometimes silly, most times just downright immature. And she goes, no, 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 no. I'm part of a community theater group and we have a part. And every time we read the part, it reminds me of you. You'd be perfect for it. And I had never acted before, ever. Not Never in high school, nothing, nothing, nothing. It was always something I wanted to do, but you know, I can't remember what I had for breakfast. So how the heck am I going to remember my lines? And that was my big panic. But I decided to give it a shot and got the part. And it was fantastic. It was such a great experience. Great. And now you have acting techniques that authors can use to spark the, their creativity. Uh, tell us a few ideas. Yeah. So, you know, one of the biggest things that, that I learned by becoming an actor is this idea of collaboration. The having people to bounce ideas off of, having people from different realms who might not even be part of your circle could help brainstorm ideas that you never even considered. And one of the things that I I had to challenge myself with was what does it take to stay on time? What does it take to rehearse to the point where you are confident to get up in front of people? And likewise, I think what the, one of the biggest handicaps I had running my book was this imposter syndrome. It was constant and ongoing. And this was the same, the same feeling I had when I was acting is, you know, as I'm memorizing lines and, and, you know, messing up and getting better and messing up and getting better and so on. It's like, who the heck am I to think that I can do this? And then, of course, it's, you know, this whole big thing of, oh, my goodness, what happens if it's a flop? What happens if what I do is so terrible and nobody laughs and nobody has a good time and it would be horrible? And that's kind of the same feeling I had writing my book. It was this idea of I'm doing this. Is is it is it right? Am I what I'm doing? Is it good? Is it will people get it? Will people get this? <laughs> and that's always always been my challenge. The, the whole imposter syndrome thing has been a the bane of my existence. Well, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this podcast are saying. That's me. I agree completely because that's why they're here. Because if they could write the book, they'd be writing the book. They wouldn't be listening to me and you. So what did you do to overcome the imposter syndrome? Somebody told me to sit down and write an outline. And so I took light. So I I had this idea, of course, a, a friend of mine gave me the idea of equating theater with business. We were sitting down having dinner one day. And uh, he's, he's a very um, successful marketer, 
brand strategist out of out of London, Ontario. His name is Gary Maxwell. And I was telling him about, you know, that I'm a speaker and I do all this. And and I didn't know what, if there was anything that differentiated me. And he says, but you act. And and he's, he pointed there. He says, isn't, you know, isn't acting like isn't putting on a show the same thing you do in a business. And and that was my big epiphany right there. It was like, yes, you know, if every time you open up the doors to your business, you put on a show for your customers, that's kind of like what we do to put on a show for our audience. And so this idea now of lights, camera, action popped out and it's like, okay, well, now this is a perfect framework. I do a three-part framework on lights, camera, action. And so I had to start brainstorming, what does that mean? And by using kind of my circle of influence, by going out and talking to business people and say, you know, if I talk about lights, camera, action in the business, what does, what does lights mean to you? What would, and some people said, oh, it's, you know, when you turn on the lights to your store. But other people were more kind of metaphorical with it. And so lights became this idea of foundation. Why do you do what you do? If you're going to put on a show, why are you putting on the show? What do you want to accomplish? What do you want the people to experience when you put on the show? And then camera became this idea of being camera ready. So what are they, what's the audience going to see? What's your customer going to see? What are they going to feel? What are they going to touch when they come into your production? And then, of course, action became the service delivery aspect of our businesses. And so just being able to clarify that though, that framework and then just go into, go, okay, what foundation, what does that look like? And so in drafting the outline, it became, okay, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be finding your why, it's going to be your culture, it's going to be all the things that matter to you, your values in the scheme of your, of your business. And so sitting down and writing that outline was really the catalyst because now all I had to do is start asking myself questions about it. What kinds of questions did you ask yourself as you were writing the book? So it became a question. I'd be looking at things. So why and how? What stories do I have in regards to this? How can I tie this to business? Right? Because it is a, it is a nonfiction. It is a business book, first and foremost. But I wanted to make sure that it resonated with anybody who read it, that people could say, oh, you know what? I've had that experience. And as long as people were able to turn around and say that, then I knew I was on the right track. And so the, the book is full of stories. And so I used a formula in my writing, uh, which was story, lesson, application. Because, again, it is a nonfiction book. And I wanted people to read this, people who are in business, entrepreneurs and so on. I wanted them to be able to take the information. So it starts, you know, virtually the framework is everything starts with a story. Then I tied a lesson to it, and so the lesson could be, here's a story about theater, but here's how it applies to business. Or it could be a business story, here's how it equates to what we do in theater. And then the application aspect of it was tied into both business and theater. So for instance, a perfect... Go ahead, tell us an example, tell us a story. Okay, so a perfect, a perfect example of this would be something like recruiting. Businesses need to recruit people, and yet you know they, they have to do a job description... And then they interview people. Well, that's akin to the theater doing a call for a call for doing a casting call and then having people come and show what they are able to bring to the stage. Then it becomes rehearsals. Now, I know that no theater company in the world would ever put on a show without doing rehearsals. But how many companies out there hire employees without training them? And so that became a very big component of that particular chapter of my book 
where we talked about the importance of having training, of having rehearsing, of rehearsals, and the rehearsals being in companies, not just rehearsing with the one character or the one cast member, but rehearsals as teams. And what kind of value would that do to your service that you provide your customers if you were in a business doing that? And so being able to equate those uh, to, you know, again, weighing the business need with the theater outcomes matched out perfectly. Excellent. You know, I'm a big believer in outlines as well. In fact, when I wrote my book, like the book in the flash, the paint by numbers system for writing your book quickly, uh, the paint by numbers is really a metaphor for the outline, because if you have all the outlines from the the barn and the cow and the clouds and the goats and the farmer and the milk uh, cartons and whatever. Then you just fill in coloring those, those, those issues. And fill then in the have, details. Uh, and you have your, your book done. The same with an outline. Um, I'm curious, when you're looking at your outline, how did you flesh it out? Well, first and foremost, so I had the three, I had the three, the three aspects of the framework. Um, so I had to figure out what did lights represent. And, and so when I first started, in fact, if you go, um, I don't even know, if, I think it's on Vimeo. If you go onto my Vimeo account, you'll see a four-minute snippet when I first came up with this brainstorm. And actually, lights meant something entirely different in the snippet uh, than how it manifested itself. And so I would look at it and say, okay, what, what needs to fit in here? And I'd create kind of point form. So under lights, I, I want to know the why. I want to know culture. I want to know whatever. And then as I started writing, I realized, oh, I forgot something. And so I would, uh, I would amend my outline. And then I would keep it going. And then it was a question of, okay, well, maybe I need to switch this one. Maybe point number four on my outline needs to be point number three on my outline. And then as I went ahead to write it, it was, okay, well, how do I answer this question now on this particular point on the outline? Uh, you know, point number three or point number four under lights. How do I qualify that? What story do I have? And so then I would curate my story and go ahead and write it out, write out the story and then create that again with that idea of the framework, having the story, the lesson, the application. Perfect. Uh, love that process. And I tell my clients all the time that uh, the outline is, uh, is malleable. It, it moves. It, uh, chapter 4 can become chapter 14 and vice versa. Uh, so it's just the way life is. You, you get creative and more creative and you find new things. You know, at the yeah. beginning of our interview, you mentioned that you get ideas by collaborating with other people. Um, can you give us some examples of how your thought process changed or moved over time as you worked with people? And how did you introduce the whole idea of saying, hey, can you help me out with my book? Or how did you bring other people into your community to get that those new ideas and spark yeah, so creativity? In one aspect, so one aspect of the book, I would get maybe I would get stuck on a certain aspect of it and not know how do I apply this. And so I would actually go out and, you know, so part of what I need to do, I'm brand new to theater. It's not like I've been doing this for years and years and years. So some of the things I needed to clarify were things like I need to clarify terminology. I need to clarify workflow. So, you know, how does a director get involved with a play? How do they decide that this is the play that they want to do? How do they decide then who that they're going to need to help them with it? So how do they do their selection process? So, for instance, if you're putting on a farce and you have, you know, six actors, you have the director, you have a stage manager and so on, all those people needed to be handpicked. But what does that process look like? Do you just go with people that you've worked with before? Because I know in a business, I might be in a business and I might think, you know what, I need a really good, I don't know, food and beverage manager. And it's like, you know what, I used to work with this one gentleman. He was fantastic. I wonder if he's available. 
and you start tapping into that. So uh, using using the lessons that I learned through the collaboration um, facet, I was able to talk to other directors and I was able to talk to other actors. And when I had a story that appealed that I had for the business, but I didn't have one for theater, I reached out to actors. I actually went online. It was great. I there On Facebook, there's the Actors Hub. And so I would pose questions on the Actors Hub. On, in, in, in Alberta, it's called the Alberta Actors Hub. And I would just pose questions. Hey, have you ever had to work with a stage manager or a producer that was really hard to get along with? What were your stories? And so then in the book, I actually have a couple of quotes from actors that I applied to the story because I didn't have my own story. <laughs> I love it. That, that, that's a great takeaway because, you know, as consultants, speakers, coaches, business owners, we know what we know. We don't know what we don't know. We don't know what there's a lot of other things out there. So yeah. to ask people for their perspective on things is really cool. In fact, funny story. I was in a networking group the other day, and they encouraged us to uh, have one-on-one meetings with other people in the group. So there's uh, one woman who reached out to me, and they're great. Uh, so we, we set the time to talk. And I said, so uh, tell me about yourself. And she said, you mean my business life or my personal life? And I'm thinking to myself, wow, there's a big difference between men and women because for men, it's all about our business lives. We don't have personal lives. But yep, and we has, define uh, ourselves by our role as well, right? <laughs> so it was an interesting, in, in, you know, I, I learned a lot just by that little interaction. So it's amazing yeah. what stories you can pick up from people. Um, can you ever have too many stories in a book? You know, the, the nice thing with stories is you get them down. The important thing is to get them down. I wrote a story and I was heartbroken. Like when I first started the book, I had a really humorous story that I wanted to share. And it was long and it was, but it was entertaining and it was funny. I thought it was funny. And when I first sent it to my developmental editor, he said, oh, you got to take that story out. It doesn't fit there. And it's like, really? He goes, yeah, I didn't get the point between, you know, I was doing a comparison of experiences. And he said, you have experience A and you experience B and the B didn't match up with the A. So he says, if you could do me another story about something along this, and it's like, okay, I can do that. And so here I had this beautiful story that I poured my heart and soul into, laughed my fool head off when I wrote it, and here I had to park it. And, you know, the one thing that somebody gave, one piece of advice somebody gave me is, don't get married to your darlings, mm-hmm. right? Um, he's, you know, be per- fully prepared. And so I wrote everything with this idea that the editor might turn around and not get it and take it out or whatever. Um, but having said that, I kept that story. And so keeping stories aside, you know what, maybe it's not the right book for it, but it's still written. And I used a tool called Evernote to do my writing. So I, I have everything tagged. I have the stories tagged and so on. It was great. Uh, but then what I found out is this story worked out really well at the very end of my book. And so the very last chapter is called It's a Wrap. And I talk, so it's a wrap, of course, being the metaphor for that's the end of a show. It's my last chapter of my book. But the story was around my very first Donaire experience in Edmonton. Having a Donaire. And a Donaire is a wrap. And it just it just fit in so beautifully. That I had the chapter, it's a wrap. It had a theater tie-in. It had a food tie-in. And it was just brilliant. And it just worked out really well. So, you know, it's being able to trust the resources you have as well. When somebody says, hey, I don't think that works, you can't let your ego get, get in the way. 
Perfect. I, I love that story. Uh, I was the developmental editor for a guy who wrote a book. Uh, he, was a, he owned a big HVAC company, and he wanted to teach other, other HVAC owners how to run their companies and be a coach for them. And he told a couple of stories that just, I didn't get the point. I mean, there's a, say there was a chapter on trust. And I said, this is a good story, but this is really a story about hiring people. It's not a story about trust. And so he just moved it to another chapter, and he created another story. And it really worked out well, because sometimes you're so close to your own stories, you don't see the forest for the trees. Uh, I was once in a workshop at the National Speakers Association, and the, uh, the leader was saying that uh, stories are wonderful. Stories can have many different points. And someone in the audience says, well, I don't agree with that. A story is a story. So he said, well, tell me a story. Well, my grandmother made cookies for me when I was a kid. You know. And the, the leader said, so what's the point of the story? Well, there really is no point of the story. And the leader said, everyone in the audience, what's the point of the story? And everyone's hand shot, shot up. And someone said, oh, your grandmother loves you. <laughs> You're loved? Oh, yeah. You're uh, fed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So it could be any kind of story that, you know, <laughs> you, know you, you, you can find many answers for stories, but it has to be logical. It has to make sense. And if it does, yeah. then it's a perfect story. And if it isn't, I love what you said as well. Park it. And there will be another spot for it, whether in this book or another book or your speech yeah. or somewhere. So, Mark, um, any final words as we wrap up? You know, the, the writing process, my, my biggest fear of writing the book was not being able to do it. Mm-hmm. And the, the whole idea, and, you know, I, I made a commitment that I was going to write 1,200 words a day. That was going to be my commitment, not realizing how many words 1,200 were a day. And there were days when I sat down, I set a time, my time was 5 a.m. I made a commitment that I would write from 5 a.m. till 6 a.m. Then I would get changed and I would go to work out and then I'd you know, so on. Um, and so I maintained that commitment. I woke up every day with an idea, okay, this is the chapter I'm going to be working on. I went to bed with that thought and I woke up at 5 a.m. and that made my cup of tea and sat down and started writing. Sometimes I wrote 300 words. Sometimes I skipped my workout. I was in such a flow. It was working out and it just happened. And one of the challenges I had was this idea of writer's block. I sat down not knowing what to write. And so I started my chapter or I started my page with I don't know what to write about this <laughs> and I just started talking to myself in writing about what the concept of this particular part of the outline was and so why why is this important to me and so on and I, that's what I started to write with I started asking myself questions in fact typing it out so why is this important to me why do I think this needs to be in the book what's important about this and the minute I started kind of going through that process other ideas started popping in my head and so for those, one, so my big takeaway today, like one of the things that I would strongly recommend to people who are new writers is just sit down. And if the worst case scenario is you're going to say to yourself, why is this important to me? And then answer that question. I think and see what comes up. That is, that is brilliant advice. That, that is really, I've, I've done 80 of these interviews. That is one of my top keepers that I'm going to share with people. Uh, that is brilliant. I love that. So, Mark, tell us who your perfect client is and how they can get in touch with you. Hi, thank you very much. So I work with organizations who want to design experiences for their customers, for their employees, 
I do this by encouraging people to lead with love and kindness first. I also work with speakers and entrepreneurs uh, to help them get the digital version of the virtual version of their keynotes out into the world. And uh, I do that simply just by one-on-one coaching and developmental stuff, developmental exercises. So I can be reached at markhain.com is my website. My email is mark with a C, and that's not C-A-R-C, by the way, that's M-A-R-C, at markhain.com. And feel free to reach out. Be more than happy to give anybody 30 minutes of my time to help brainstorm, to help do the kick in the butt, whatever it takes. Fantastic. Thanks for being with us today, Mark. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Write Your Book in a Flash podcast with Dan Janelle, the only podcast that shows you exactly how people just like you have built their businesses by writing a book. If you'd like to write your book but don't know where to start, you can find great information at writeyourbookinaflash.com. If you're ready to take your next step to write the book that can transform your business, I invite you to schedule a free, no-obligation consulting call with me by going to writeyourbookinaflash.com. We'll be back next week with another insightful interview to help you become a top business leader.